Hello and welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. My name is Erin and I'm a Philly-based healing artist and today's episode is an interview on feeding creativity, storytelling, and writing with Katie Dalebelt. This is a really full circle moment for me because listening to Katie's podcast the summer after college was what really inspired me to start this podcast and here we are so it feels really lovely to have Katie on the show and just to share a little about her she's a writer and podcaster her podcast is called let it out and it's a community for sharing soft stories the tender tales that connect us Um, She also has a book about journaling, also called Let It Out, and she runs a journaling-based creative clinic and leads an online workshop for independent podcasters. This feels like especially important of an episode right now. Um, I've really ebbed and flowed with journaling and writing practice and writing poetry throughout my whole life. I think I've shared before that I like wrote a novel in middle school and I would spend tons of time writing. As a kid, I would spend recess inside an elementary school with my best friend at the time in the library writing poems together. <laughs> but. Writing has always really been an anchor to drop into, like a place to find myself, to connect with myself, and to process and to be creative, such a creative outlet. And I feel like sometimes in healing and spirituality and self helpy kinds of worlds, we feel like that the things, we feel like things need to be complicated in order to work or to heal, you know, like the 10-step ritual or the deep plant medicine ceremony or the complex soul retrieval and for sure absolutely those things can be deeply healing but they're not the only things that are you know I'm also finding so much healing in the simplest moments and the simplest of rituals especially these days this year and writing feels like one of those things that is quite accessible and simple and powerful. I might have mentioned this on the show before, but I'm working on writing a poetry collection right now, and most of my poetry I'm finding what's just like just coming through is around hunger, it's around desire, it's around consuming and being consumed, and it's also processing harm that I've caused um, without trying to save myself in what I'm writing. and. That's really interesting for me to think about from a healing perspective, like it literally feels like writing myself into wholeness, it feels like telling the truth, the truth of things that have happened, the truth of who I am, it feels even like integrating shadow, you know, like not rejecting or denying ways I've hurt people that I've loved or things that I've done, but like welcoming them home into me by telling the truth, by writing the story. So yeah, I fucking love writing, clearly, (laughs) and I'm excited to share this interview with Katie with you. At a few points, I think something was going on with her mic, so it might get really quiet. I tried to edit it, um, I'm not sure how well it worked, but, (laughs) um, if you hear a really quiet patch, just turn up the volume for a moment, and we'll come back to regular volume in just a moment. So a little bit about what we talked about in this interview, we get into her relationship with creativity in this moment, 
being fed creatively, the power of sharing stories, navigating heartbreak and what heartbreak has been opening up for her, growing through the comfortable things and not just the hard things, newness and novelty and the desire for those things, patterns of hardening and softening, feeling your feelings, how writing helps process feelings, not putting all the pressure on ourselves to take action as soon as we know what we need to know, and more. So I have just a couple things that I want to share before we get into the interview. It's been quite a while since I've done this, so I wanted to give some gratitude and some love to our newest Patreon supporters. Rebecca Lynn Swan, Ashley A. Pierce, Elisha Stauffer, Liz Wren, Tracy Grady, Betty Birds, Shannon Jordan, Ivana Angelica, and Hannah Mudry. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon community. I'm so happy to have you over there. If you want to join, you can check out the link in the description. It's a really supportive and accessibly priced place to connect with a bunch of self-healing practices that I've shared over there, rituals and breathwork meditations and live classes and embodiment classes and oh my god, what else is over there? Breathwork meditations and meditations. There's a lot of stuff and there's also some live gathering opportunities as well. So we'd love to see you there. And I also wanted to share that Breathwork for the Heart will be coming back for November. This was an experience that I taught last year and really loved. It felt like a beautiful way to sink into this liminal space between Samhain and Yule, the winter solstice. It's an online group Breathwork series to create deeper intimacy with the self through heart healing and heart opening. There's going to be a Mighty Networks community this year that I am pretty pumped for. (laughs) It's not open for registration yet. I'm planning to open it probably on November 16th, but I will drop the link if you're interested in getting the details. So you can check that out in the description and um, that'll be coming soon. And last of all, if you're able to, please do vote tomorrow. Um, There's so much that's been written about voting and not voting and why we need to vote and all of those things that I'm not going to repeat here. And like I said in another episode, truly no voting shame if you're not going to be voting. Um, But I just want to offer that I do think it's really important for those of us with privilege like myself to use that privilege to vote because it has very real consequences for some of the most marginalized among us, even when we know that yeah, Joe Biden's not going to save us, Um, but this is one step that feels important for me to do, and I hope that you will join me in voting as well. Um, Okay, I think that's all I want to share. Let's get into this interview with Katie. And I kind of just want to start by hearing about what your life is like right now and what feels present for you in this moment, in this time. Um, that's a great question. I, I'm in like the weirdest, um, I mean, it's the weirdest year of everyone's life, you know, but I think this weird, this year would have been strange for me regardless. Um, and it just keeps getting stranger and stranger. (laughs) Um, 
but I don't know. I, I think I'm weirdly okay. I mean, I, I, I was traveling when the, when the pandemic began and I was meant to keep traveling probably for a bit longer and then go back to New York and, um, probably just find a new apartment and um, kind of go on with my life as I was doing it for all of last year. Um, But contemplating like, maybe I want to come to the West coast. Maybe I want to go to a different city. Like I was, I was planning to like bounce around the U S a little bit. Um, And then I, I happened to be in LA when this, or I made myself stop in LA. I canceled the rest of my, my, and just stayed here um and i'm still here (laughs) uh and i'm i officially shipped all of my stuff from brooklyn so i'm definitely going to be here um so that feels cool and complete and weird all at the same time um but to answer your question about like really presently presently um I don't know. I've I've been like just a bit out of sorts and like super anxious the last like two or three weeks. I moved from one place to another place and I just like, I don't know what happened, but I, I feel like I couldn't really get back to a, um, a routine. Like I kind of got into a, a pandemic quarantine routine and then you know, there's been so much pivoting again and again and again with like, obviously with work, with um, when the pandemic started, suddenly none of my work seemed relevant. And then with everything happening right now, socially and politically, I feel the same way. Like I don't want any of my work to distract from a more important conversation. (laughs) Um, So I'm really wrestling with, you know, how do I continue to support myself and my, my people who work with me making creative work while also being useful and not crowding or creating more noise and creating more space for black people. Um, So I'm just, and, and elevating, I think that's really like where I can be most useful is elevating other people. Um, So anyway, all of that is great, but it's a rejiggering of the plans that I already had. Some of them, some of it was um, already in process, but a lot of the plans that I had creatively didn't make sense anymore, much like, you know, which has happened several times this year. And I think I'm just so much more resilient than I was a year ago. And um, I haven't really found my footing again yet um but i think i'm getting closer maybe and i think life is just like a bunch of those you know like you kind of get into a groove and then grooves change you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and that feels so present for me too and those are definitely questions that i'm asking myself and thinking about a lot and conversations that i'm having with friends who are also thinking about these things yeah these questions and yeah, I guess I'm wondering, like, what what is your relationship to creativity, like, in this time and right now? What does, yeah, what does creativity even mean to you or feel like right now? Oh, that's, like, my favorite thing to talk about. I mean, 
I often ask people when I meet them or just in general when they feel the most creative um, because I think it's when they feel the most, uh, it sounds kind of lame, but alive, you know, or like the most connected, the most themselves. And I think when people are the most themselves, like that's so attractive. Um, and I, I can tell you, I can tell you when I feel uncreative and when I feel not myself, which is kind of what I've been living in the past like two or three weeks since I moved places. I, yeah, I've just been like really out of sorts and um, not being myself. And that is the biggest block for creativity. And I think the biggest creative uh, hack, I'll say, or I hate hacks actually, but the the opposite of that is presence. Like I think when people are really present and around and listening, that's everything, you know, like when you're in your body, when you're getting into a conversation volley with someone or you're in nature or you're, you know, I mean, it can happen in the shower or driving or like all of those moments, of course. But, you know, I think I can't really, I haven't been able to live there or stay there all that long. But when I can string a little bit of that together, it's the ultimate what I'm ultimately searching for. And, and sometimes I can't even string it together, but if I just get a little bit of it, like a little hit of that can kind of keep me going for a lot longer than anything else can, you know, everything else is like a, a cheaper version of that. Yeah. That's making me realize that I never thought about this, like when I feel most creative, but it's, Actually, I think after I do podcast interviews, like I feel really inspired to cool. create, right? Yeah, yeah. that's makes, really cool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like what you were saying about listening and I've actually been thinking about this a lot and maybe you can relate from what you said, but how writing is so much a process of listening and how like I've been writing a lot of poetry recently and how writing poetry is actually mm. so much a process of listening and just like noticing and being awake to where you are and listening to the sounds and what people are really saying. And yeah, there's just, it feels like beautiful to think about and like you have to be present to be able to listen and, and to notice. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I've, I have been on a real poetry kick this quarantine as well. Mm. And um, you'll have to send me some of your poems. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or some of your favorite poems. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I feel like we, we're going to come in and out of it. And it's like making that comeback time quicker is what I'm always searching for and haven't been able to master. Yeah, and it's like those moments, I've been thinking about this a lot through quarantine, it's like those moments pull me out of, I mean, I've been having a many existential crises, crises <laughs> over this whole year, um, feeling like going between feeling like nothing matters. What does anything mean? Like those sorts of like 
kind of depressive states and those moments that you're speaking about and those experiences those are what like remind me that how good it is to be alive and that like maybe that's those are the things that matter like having those moments of connection and those moments of aliveness and creating and like yeah it like creates resilience for me mm, yeah and yeah I, I it's funny that you feel really creative after a podcast interview because I feel drained <laughs> interesting <laughs> I'm always so tired. Um, sometimes I'll feel a little high after, like I, if it like went really well and it was someone I was really excited about, I'll feel really high. Or like last week I interviewed someone and I was so excited for it and it didn't go as I wanted it to. And I was like super bummed about it, you know? So I don't know. It, it sometimes can make me excited, but, but usually it or it, sometimes I can feel excited but I can also I'm usually so sleepy after so that's interesting how we're all so different with that yeah we're all so different which is so beautiful and I mean that's such a good point like if it's an interview that I felt really excited about and it went really well then I'm like feeling creative yeah totally <laughs> not every single time but but yeah I mean I don't know I kind of want to talk about podcasting with you and I mean you have this incredible show and like multiple shows now where you share stories and it's like a tool for connecting with people and helping people feel less alone and it's so beautiful and um I don't know I guess like why do you feel like telling stories matters like what what's important about that or what feels important about that to you I mean, I think it's everything. I mean, I think it's like what we were talking about earlier of like presence and it's connection. You know what I mean? Like that's what it, – it's intimacy, you know? Like I think what we what we want and fear, I believe, in equal measure is being seen and recognized by other people and seeing and recognizing and understanding other people. And I think like a circuit gets broken when we, when we forget that and we, you know, we um, think about, I don't know, just, just like humanity right now. I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about like how disconnected we've become from each other in so many ways makes us, is kind of the opposite of that. So I think, I don't know. I think I heard this on a podcast or something, but I often will like give this as a, you know, car game or like conversation starter of like, do you think that two people, if they really sat down with each other and like had a conversation and really learned about each other's history and why they are the way they are and like really got into it and just like shared a meal, like maybe just some like really nice bread or like I, I would always talk about this with, with someone um, a while ago and, and he had this theory where he said, and it's so earnest and sweet, but he was like, if everyone in the world just ate, this is going to sound like there's so many huge things happening right now that like maybe this is too trite, but the sentiment is nice, but he was like, if everyone in the world sat down at the same time and ate a piece of pie, I think everyone would like 
calm down and just feel nice for a minute and be able to have a conversation. And anyway, I always thought that was lovely, but like my original point of like two people sitting down and having a conversation, a conversation and sharing about their story vulnerably and openly, I think that that is, that's how we can connect and that's how we can feel less alone and that's how we can learn about each other. And without doing that, then we're like in these silos and we're depressed and we're disconnected and we're lonely and it's terrible, you know? So I think that like my whole life is trying to do the opposite or like trying to actually connect instead of like these cheap versions of that, you know, which like I do too. And we need to do sometimes. And like, I've had many experiences where I've like tried to go too much in the other direction and it doesn't work. So I think it's a real slow burn with a lot of that. But I mean, I think that's kind of all of it. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate the sentiment behind that too with the pie. <laughs> because I mean, it I know feels- it's nice, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like humanizing, like how, yeah, how like we can dehumanize each other. And like, I mean, dehumanizing is absolutely like part of white supremacy. And yeah, like when yeah. you want to actually have a conversation with someone and you're vulnerable and they're vulnerable, it's like we connect in that moment to our shared humanity in ways that we don't always when we're not, um, yeah, when we're not in that. So that feels really lovely to me too. Yeah, same. I know. It's all very connected with, with that conversation, I think. Yeah. I mean, and has, maybe this still isn't easy for you, but has that always been easy for you? Like this idea of being seen and being vulnerable and the way that you share on your podcast and also like in your life, I'm sure has that, or is that more of like a skill that you've been learning? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, yeah, I, I often like in the podcasting course, like people will, will like ask me about that, like how I, like how to develop that skill, like how to feel okay being seen and like sharing their voice and whatever, whatever. Um, And I don't know if it's like something in my astrology or human design or like where I grew up or like my Myers-Briggs or like whatever, but weirdly I kind of came out that way. Like that's not, I don't have a good answer for that question because I don't, I have always been that way. Like I've been very to a fault comfortable with that. And if anything, I really need to, what I'm trying to do and what I've been trying to do in recent years is the opposite, you know, like really seeking to understand people rather than be understood. Because I think for so long, I just wanted to be understood. So I was, you know, showing everyone who I was and like really, really loudly doing that, I think. And I think the podcast is a manifestation of that, but I think it, you know, ends up being a useful, interesting thing. But basically, yeah, I think that I, that is comfortable for me. I think for other people, it's not and that's cool and then 
you know, they were probably more ahead of me on this other thing, which I is a big challenge for me, which is listening, understanding, like actually I feel so loved when I'm seen by someone else, when I feel like someone gives a shit, you know, and I want to be able to be better at doing that to other people instead of being like, how can I be loved? How can I be validated? I'm trying to turn that around, which I think is a really, you know, this is kind of convoluted, but like that's a really good system to get anything, you know, it's like instead of asking what you can get, asking what you can give and like whatever you're not, I think this is not my line, but like whatever you are withholding is like what is lacking in any situation, you know? And so I, I really think about that with this of like, cool. Yeah. Everyone wants to be understood. Everyone wants to be seen. Definitely. For sure. Everyone wants validation, uh, including me, but, or, and I want to focus more on Cause I can't control those things really, you know, I mean, I guess I can be vulnerable and I guess I can be present and I can, you know, try to be myself, but like, because if I'm not being myself, then like, I'll, I would get those things for a version of myself that isn't even me. And like, that sucks. So I think what I'm trying to say is that like, when I am wanting those things, I'm trying to turn it around and say, how could I love this other person more? Like, how could I understand them? Or how could I feel validated? And, or like, even in a situation. Um, and I think that is a really great way to be a friend, you know, or like a really great way to be, to work with people because, you you won't be disappointed as easily, right? Like it might be, it's really hard for me to understand people. I have to focus at it. But when I do it, it that it's like a two-way street. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not all altruistic because it's like a it's like a challenge, you know? Yeah. I mean that feels like what you're saying is so much about belonging too and creating belonging and how oh, really? on that and how we can hold that space for other people too, right? Like it's not just about us having that feeling, but how we can um offer it to the people that we care about too, which is yeah, just so beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and this feels a lot like something else I wanted to talk to you about, um, which is heartbreak because oh great (laughs) I'm like creepily I know that you have gone through that semi recently (laughs) Uh um and yeah I mean so much what we're talking about around like intimacy and belonging is so much of the pain of heartbreak is like not getting those things where you used to get them and still maybe desire them or not yeah but yeah is there anything you want to share about healing through heartbreak <laughs> and what's <laughs> what like heartbreak has been opening up for you or has oh that's so nice um yeah I mean I I've I made these two their kits the soothe kit and the solve kit I maybe you saw them yeah. um 
about this basically because I very, it's not recent now, but um, talked about this at length (laughs) on the podcast last year. And really just had to collect every, I was getting so much good advice, right? Like I was getting, I was so open, right? Like I was just this raw nerve sensitive to everything. And I kind of love that. You know what I mean? Like I, it was too much. Like I think on the softness spectrum, I was a little bit too open where I was meeting a new person and fully weeping you know (laughs) and that like for a work thing you know and like that was cool but like not sustainable and so I I but I think the flip side of that is that it made me so present and it made me so open and vulnerable in a way that I was really closed off before and I was really rigid I was really rigid and disciplined and not very fun to be around. And when you're like that, it's like a tree branch, right? Like you're easy to break. Mm -hmm. And I broke, which was fucking painful, but I was, I was like raw, you know? And so it, it was a really potent time for me to grow and learn. And, And that's what I think is really cool about that. Like, I think it's a real, and this is not a new thought, but I think it's a real opportunity for growth and change and understanding of yourself and your patterns. And I really was like trying to manufacture that, trying to be like, okay, I need to catch all the gems from this instantly. And like, let me process this and let me like do all the things I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to go to Bali and I'm going to like <laughs> go on this trip and I'm going to do, you know, and I did all of it and it doesn't really go away. It's just time and it's, but I'm different you know? And I think that's good. Like I, it's, it is there, but it allowed me to change in a way that nothing else could. And I think that growth happens. Um, This person, Richard Rohr says this thing of like, we learn through great love or great suffering. And I think about that all the time because I, that is true. You know what I mean? Like I've learned so much from that. And I've also learned so much on, I I used to think like we only learn through uncomfortable things. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we learned through success and and failures or, or, or successes and like good things happening. But my friend Serena's dad says this thing where he says, success teaches you nothing. And I think that's true, but I like the Richard Rohr quote better because I actually have learned, maybe not through success, but through optimism or through, you know, the phase of limerence, you know? And I think that that it's different. It's a high, but it's, it's, equally as potent, you know, or I think so. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is making me think about, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like some of the like new agey spiritual stuff that I used to maybe years ago has sort of like fucked me up in a way now where I'm like, and I guess the example that is coming up is like, I feel like I sort of trained myself to think that, that like comfort is bad and only uncomfortable things are good because it means that you're growing. And so like a distrust of like maybe a love that feels comfortable and safe. I mean, like that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. Yes. That's such a good point. And like, I had completely forgotten about that, but this is like a really long time ago now, but right before I was moving to New York, I, I was seeing this therapist at the time. And I remember like, I was in a really good place, like probably the best, like most stable place in my life. And I was about to like, like mess it all up (laughs) and I was really loving where I was there and like I had this great apartment and I would have all these parties and like um it was really great (laughs) and then I was I was just like I'm gonna go and move to a different city and start over and I remember saying to her but I felt really good about that but I remember saying to her I think I saw this like on an Instagram meme or something, but it's like essentially what you're saying, which was like growth can only happen when, if you're uncomfortable, something like that. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, so uh, it's growth because I'm so uncomfortable and it's just, it's going to be uncomfortable because, you know, moves are messy and jarring and that's just how it is, you know? And she was, she just like looked at me deadpan and she was like, why? Why does it have to be uncomfortable? What if you said you're going to do it with great ease and flow and grace and like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, I can't do that. It's just, that's not how they go. Um, But I really liked that sentiment and like, it was pretty great. Like it wasn't really a big deal and I just kind of moved and it was great and I was back and forth and it just like, it was good. You know, it was like pretty chill. And I think that, I think newness and novelty are like a drug, you know, like I, that's why I travel so much. (laughs) And like, that's why I, I, um, have a lot of different projects and people. And I think I like that I get a hit of dopamine from every one of them. And I think that, that is a real high. And I also think that there's something really grounding about, you know, staying out of discomfort, but there's also, I think it's like we were saying about, you know, getting energized or not podcasting. It's like, we're all different, you know, we're all people and we're all different and we can grow when we're uncomfortable. We can also grow when we're like in love, you know, like I think it just, it depends on the day. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that like hit of dopamine from the newness, I'm like called out by that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, me too. And I don't know that like, that's something I really want to work on. Like, I think I might just keep that one and like allow a lot of newness in my life, but I, I also need to taper it a little bit. I'm, and I'm being forced to, you know, like I'm picking a place and I'm going to like be there for a minute and I'm going to, you know, like 
do some adult things that are more grounding. And I think that that is, you know, decisions and commitments can be hard for people like that. And they are for me. (laughs) Yeah, they're incredibly hard for me as well. And I think that's one reason that uh, quarantine time has been really hard for me because it's that. It's like there is no newness or no newness that feels good anyways. (laughs) Um, And like, I can't experience that, that feeling of newness and like desiring something in the ways that I normally do, like through travel and through spending a lot of time with friends and like meeting new people. None of that is happening, which has made an uncomfortable container. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's been one thing that's been really good for me. I was just talking about this. Like I spent all of most of my time in New York just saying yes to everything and like running around and going to all the things and you know sure your your boyfriend's friends party in Harlem and I'm in Brooklyn sure no problem like I'll be there and like I did not maybe at the very end but like the first couple years I was just exploring and going to things and um that was cool. And then I was really burnt out and tired. And, and then last year, I think as a coping mechanism for all of that stuff we were talking about before, I doubled down on all of that in a pretty subconscious way of wanting to avoid being alone. (laughs) And then the biggest manifestation of that was traveling because that's a really great way as an adult to have sleepovers with all of your friends if you just go visit your friends around the world and then you never have to be alone and you can like kind of pretend you know that you're like in their relationship and you're just around so I think that was like a funny thing that I did um to avoid what I essentially was for like my worst nightmare was everything that happened in March you know like I remember saying to a flight attendant on the way home from Australia, like, think like if I had COVID, like having to be quarantined, I was so scared for that because I was just like, I, I mean, I don't know what I would do. Like if I had to be alone by myself and I couldn't go anywhere, like I just do mundane errands all the time. Like I'm just always around and, you know, that was my MO and familiar strangers and like meeting up with a different friend every day and like, that was my thing. And then I was stripped from all of that. <laughs> and it, I, I think I still did a lot of avoiding, you know, I did a lot of overworking and a lot of just talking to a lot of people and do, you know, who does anyone want to do a zoom hang? You know, like, I think I really did my fair share of that, but I was definitely forced to do a lot less and make a lot less decisions. And I think now I'm so used to this that like I will never go back to that overscheduled crazy person. <laughs> like I think I, my nervous system wouldn't allow that now. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too, about like thinking about how my schedule used to be before this. And it's absolutely wild to me. I'm like, I don't know how I did that. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. But what you're saying is bringing up something else I wanted to ask you about, which is like staying soft through experiences like heartbreak. I think 
my pattern has been to harden through heartbreaks and it's like only now years later after some of these um heartbreaks and breakups that i'm processing those because i didn't at the time i got really hard instead of soft and yeah i'm just wondering if you have anything to offer around that yeah you know it's interesting i remember like a like a long time ago like several years ago um i had this um many breakups ago i had the or not that many but there haven't been that many period so you know a, a few ago i i had someone tell me about how her mom was a therapist and she had she her boyfriend broke up with her the day before her final of college and her mom was like okay you have to feel this you have to process this but you have to get through this final so every time you think of him you have to jump into a cold bath and it will very quickly like train your brain to not think of him <laughs> which sounds like the most like hard I, I could I would I'm too cold all the time to ever like execute that but um even if I wasn't like that just sounds very harsh but it worked for her you know she was able to like compartmentalize that and when I heard that like that's kind of what I did like I was just kind of like huh I feel great and that one was like super my choice and really like um I was younger so I I really felt like I it was easier in that way um and but you know I I think the 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 earlier that we have them like my friend Josh talks talked about this on um the recent episode I did with him but he was like mercy of aging is that you have a bigger sample size so you're not like this is it you know you're like well it's I've been here before and it will be okay you know um but like you still don't know that for sure that's what, or at least for me, like no one actually knows that for sure. So that doesn't really work for me. I mean, I think I just know that like if I close down and become rigid and forget about it, that serves me for a minute, but like it goes somewhere, you know, into our body or, um, will. And I think that that's like necessary. Like I, the way that I, I wrote an essay about this last year of like the way that I was, was too much. You know what I mean? Like it was too far on the spectrum. Like I was talking about before. Um, and I didn't want to go all the way back to like the rigid tree branch, but I couldn't remain so gooey that, you know, it's like if you really need to process something, but you're on the, it's like it's like peeing like if you really need to pee like sometimes it'll just come out and like that's just gonna happen but other times you can choose to be like oh well I'm on the subway right now like I'm gonna have to there's nothing I can do you know um and I think that's healthy like that's being a, a emotionally intelligent person uh and sometimes that's not even that's not even not necessarily that's not possible you know and that's like that there are times like that too, you know? And so I think it's just having, I, I grew up with like perfect attendance and like um, never feeling an emotion. And, and so I think I err on that side. And then 
you know, something happened that made me so gooey that I just really was kind of, um, I didn't want to leave that, you know, I, I think I stayed in that for a while because it was such a contrast. I didn't realize I could feel so much, you know, like I didn't, I'd never, I didn't cry, you know, like I, I was so, um, yeah, I was just like in the shell and that really, I like that, you know, and I don't, it's not the same. It's not there like it was, but, um, you know, I think being gooey oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> is better. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah. You're saying being gooey is better. Sometimes. I mean, it's all, it's also worse, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the day. Your mm. highs are high and your lows are lower, but I mean, I'll, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, um, a more alive experience of being a person. Mm. Yeah, that's how I feel about it too. I mean, I can relate to that a lot. Like my default and definitely as a kid, it was very much like, what is a feeling? Like feelings are something that we shove down and don't ever express or think about again. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of it for me has been about remembering how to feel and feeling all the stuff that I never felt. And I mean, a lot of the time it feels fucking horrible, but it also feels great. And that feels like being human. And it feels like, yeah, it feels like feeling and that feels good because ultimately I want to feel and I want to feel my life, right? Even if it's not um, always the most comfortable thing. Totally. Because like on the other side of that is all the other stuff, you know, but you can't have that without the other. And I mean, I, I think about this all the time too. Like it's like the weather, like when you're, when I'm high, I forget I'll ever be low again. And when I'm really low, I forget that I'll ever get out of there. And that's scary, you know, like that's really a bummer, but it, I, I always try to like equate it to the weather of like when it's sunny, I'm never like, it's never going to rain again. But when it's cloudy, I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I never question it with the weather, although I'm getting a bit confused because like where I am now, it's just like, it really is sunny all the time. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. And then also like in, you know, like in, in New York, we would have like April, you know, and so sometimes my feelings feel like that where it's just like, God damn, I, I just, I need, throw me a bone, you know, to like <laughs> knock me out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that of thinking about it like the weather. <laughs> how yeah. does how does writing help you with all of this? I'm like I can't believe we haven't talked about writing until right now, but <laughs> yeah, how does your relationship with writing help you through all this? So much. I mean, I I don't know what I'm thinking or feeling unless I'm writing, which is something that Danny Shapiro always says, and I heard that like f- 4 years ago or something and really felt like um, so seen by that and so articulated because I think I have so many thoughts and feelings in my mind jumbled up that when I can write them down, I can 
sort through them and see them and decide, you know, like which ones are true, which ones are real, which ones can I do something about and which ones am I just stuck with and how can I get help? And, um, and that's really nice, you know, like it's just, it's self-awareness. I mean, that's how it, that's ultimately all it is because I used to think, and I've been thinking about this a lot, like just because I write about something in my journal or just because I write an essay about it and I publish it or just because I talk about it on my podcast or I talk about it in therapy, it doesn't mean I processed it or changed or grown or switch the pattern. It just means I'm aware of it. You know what I mean? And I think that's like, I can, I can, uh, mistake self-awareness for growth when I think self-awareness is a part of growth, an important one. And the first one, it's just the first one, you know? Yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to think about that after we get off this call. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like kind of a bummer thing because I'm like, great. Okay, cool. I do this and uh, I've done it before and now I know. Done. (laughs) But really, it's just like begin, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, that's making me think about, I mean, this is a little different, but it's making me think about like a breathwork experience I had where something really cracked open for me in my relationship with my mom. And it felt like that was a big thing. Like it felt like that was the thing, but actually it was just that it was the awareness piece. And like from there, what I actually needed to do was the really hard stuff of like working with my relationship with my mom, with my Mm. mom, which is. That's so cool. Yeah. And I'm like, did I fully lean into that? No, <laughs> but, but I started to, and like, it's something that, yeah, I'm, I'm still working with, but that's just a really beautiful point that you made. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to downplay, like, it's kind of the most important part. I mm-hmm. think it's definitely the first part and you can't do any of the other parts without it. So there's definitely some relief there and some celebration that is warranted, um, if you are aware enough to know that you're going to take the other steps, you know, like if you are aware enough to not stop there, then it is still a huge deal to get to that point in breath work where you were like, okay, this is it, got it, or in your journal, or after a breakup, or when you're traveling, or whatever, like that in a pandemic, you know, like that doing anti-racism work, you know, like being in constant contact with our shame is really intense, but it's self-awareness, you know? And I think if we can take that and, you know, you have two options, you can be like, oh shit, this is bad and sit with that for a minute and then figure out how you can actively try to change and mess up and figure it out and mess up and figure it out. Or you can know that and be like, and just be kind of scared of it and like not really do anything. And like that feels super uncomfortable. And I've had this thought before, not with this specifically, but I'm sure, you know, it could happen with, with that, but with, with self-awareness of like this, this happened a lot with like eating disorder stuff, right? Like I, I was a, a oftentimes, and this happens in relationships, this happens with work, this a lot of this happens all the time, um, where I would become aware of something 
long before I ever did anything about it. You know what I mean? Like I knew, oh, this relationship probably isn't going to work or like, oh shit, I'm doing my eating disorder again or like whatever it is. And that's fine as long as sometimes it takes longer to go from that to pivoting and it other times it's quicker and I'm I'm trying to be quicker you know yeah I really needed to hear that (laughs) that's something I've been trying to find me too yeah (laughs) I needed all of it and I always do we always do you know yeah yeah I think sometimes I put this big pressure on myself to be like okay now that I know I have to do something about this right now but I'm not ready and I just, I'm just not ready. I'm just not there and I need more time and yeah, trying to find some compassion for myself in that space instead of getting mad at myself for whatever kind of story I want to tell about what that means about me. Yeah. And I think that's what friends are for and that's what Mm -hmm. therapist is for and that's what support is for because to feel held within that unknowingness and within that in-between because the in-between is really uncomfortable, you know, like, oh, and this was my point before that I didn't make, but like, I remember with oftentimes with these sorts of situations, I would just be like, oh, I wish I didn't have the self-awareness because if I didn't have the self-awareness, I wouldn't have to feel so uncomfortable because I'm not changing anyway. So I'd rather just like be in the, the bliss of not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the much more comfortable space before you. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the point of what we were talking about earlier of like how growth happens when you're uncomfortable. Like it's like that part is true, you know? Yeah. That makes me think of um, something that the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Resna Menekim, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but um, something that he says, which is like this distinction between clean pain and dirty pain and where clean pain is like when we do the thing that feels really hard and really scary, but we know it's right. And we know that we have to do it, even though we might not want to. And dirty pain is like that space in between. It's like the knowing, but we're like not confronting it or we're trying to push it away and we're not doing the thing that would help us move through that pain. So we're sort of stuck in it until we do, um, until we do the thing that we know we need to do. And that feels, yeah, that feels resonant. I love that. That is so good. Yeah. I love so that. I feel like something to add to that. Did you ever listen to my episode with Yolklore, Adrian Galvin? No, I don't think so. Um, it's from a while ago, but he has this song called Good Pain. And it's about like, kind of about this, of like having to move through something that's painful, but you, it's almost good because you know that on the other side of it is growth and wisdom and everything we're, you know, kind of here for. (laughs) Mm, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to let you go, but I'm like, it's time. And I I know it's okay. (laughs) If there's other things, go for it. I'm not in a rush. (laughs) Well, I always ask this um, question, this last question on the show. And so I would love to hear your answer to it. And that's just, what does living open mean to you? What comes up? when you hear that or think about that? Living open. 
I think it's taking off that mask or shell or version of ourselves that we hide behind to get validation or to feel connected. Um, But it actually does the opposite. It disconnects us and closes us off. And I really have trouble with this. (laughs) I'm trying to work on this all the time of like, um, be back to, you know, the, what I actually am at the core of me, which is, you know, this person that I'm trying to get to know and, and try to like, and try to be like, all right, this is what I've got to work with this time around, you know, instead of constantly, it's so fucking exhausting (laughs) to try to change that all the time, which is what I've, um, mostly been doing, you know, and that's anxiety and that's discomfort. But like the moments that I've accidentally been there are what I'm constantly trying to go back to. And that's openness. Yeah. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and maybe a little bit about your kits too? Of course. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me. You did such a good job and you're so cool. And, um, I'm, yeah, I'm so happy that you started a podcast. It seems like it really suits you. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. I, I love having a podcast and I love having you on it right now. It's a very full circle moment for me. (laughs) Oh, good. I love that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just a Google away, you know, Katie Dalebout, let it out, let it out with three Ts.com. Um, everything's there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This is, yeah, such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. You're a delight. I love y'all. Thank you for being here. And I hope this episode felt supportive for you, felt inspiring for you. Feel free to let me know over on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore what you thought, where you're at with feeling feelings and writing and creativity right now. Um, I love being in conversation with you all over there. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do just tap five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you could also write a nice review. Um, It's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show to support an independent podcast um, like this one. (laughs) And I also wanted to share that I'm doing a little IG live tomorrow on election day at 3 p.m. Eastern. If you're feeling stressed (laughs) about everything that's happening right now, I'm going to be sharing a short mini breath work over Instagram live for stress release and self-care. So you can join me over there. And if that time doesn't work for you, I'm going to do my best (laughs) to save it to IGTV. So you could watch it some other time, Um, but see you over there maybe. And I'll be back on Monday with another interview. I know I always say this, but I'm very excited to share this one with you too. (laughs) It's with Blanca Stacy Villalobos and they're a really incredible dream worker and I'm, 
I'm so into dreams right now. We can talk more about that later. I'm sure I'll share more about my dream practice um, in that episode, but subscribe so you don't miss out, and I'll see you then.